This podcast is produced by the Center for Deployment Psychology at the Uniformed Services University of the Health Sciences. The views expressed are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of the Uniformed Services University, the Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. In addition, references to any specific companies, products, processes, or services does not necessarily constitute or imply endorsement by the Uniformed Services University, the Department of Defense, or the U.S. government. Welcome to CDP's podcast, Practical for Your Practice. We give you actionable intel to support what you do. One colleague to another. Welcome to Practical for Your Practice. I am Dr. Jenna Ermold, and I am joined by my awesome co-hosts, as usual, Kevin Holloway and Andy Santinello. Hey, everybody. Hey, how's it going? And we are delighted today to have Dr. Yael Nilney with us, who is an expert on PTSD and perinatal health. So welcome to Practical for Your Practice, Dr. Nilney. Thank you. Thanks for having me here. We are we are delighted. Um, can you give us just a little bit of background about yourself so that our sure. listeners know your, your affiliations and how you spend most of your time? Sure. So I'm a clinical psychologist um, and assistant professor at uh, the National Center for PTSD, uh, Women's Health Sciences Division at VA Boston Healthcare System. I also am affiliated with Boston University School of Medicine. Um, and I spend most of my time doing research. Um, so my area of research is really focused on trauma and PTSD and women's reproductive health, particularly during the perinatal period. Um, so that's where I'm spending most of my time. I have um, studies with civilians as well as with uh, veterans. And um, of course, anything I say here is not reflective of uh, the VA. Um, it's only my own personal thoughts and experiences. Okay, great. And really, this in our minds is a very under-discussed topic. And uh, some of us are consultants on different EBPs for PTSD. And this is this is something that comes up a lot in consultation. We often have providers who are working with women who are pregnant and have PTSD. And there's, there's sort of like panic over what to do that, that comes from this wonderful place of them not wanting to do harm. So we're very excited to dig into this topic um, on the podcast. But before we sort of jump into guidance on treatment of trauma during pregnancy, I maybe want to back up a little bit more and maybe set the stage a little bit more generally. So you've done a lot of work on mental health and reproductive health in general and that relationship between mental health and reproductive outcomes. Maybe if we could start out with some things that might be important for providers to understand about you know, sort of this in general and hormonal flux and how this might create vulnerability to mental health symptoms in women across the lifespan. We could also maybe define perinatal as well, because I think some, sometimes people don't always <laughs> know what you. that is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, people define it differently, so that makes sense. We do know that women with mental health conditions, it could be PTSD or depression or anxiety, seem to be at increased risk for adverse reproductive health outcomes across their reproductive lifespan. So thinking from like menstrual cycle to menopause. Um, so this could be increased risk for PMS-related disorders or um, trouble during the menopausal transition. Um, and then, of course, uh, problems during the perinatal period, which I define as pregnancy to a year postpartum. So that whole time period. So during pregnancy specifically, women who have mental health conditions seem to have more adverse perinatal outcomes. So things like a preterm birth, um, so having your baby too early, having a lower infant birth weight, 
um, having more postpartum depression or mental health problems or impaired bonding with your infant. Um, so these are the kinds of things that are associated with mental health during the perinatal period. And I think it's important to, to underscore that because, again, sort of these concerns about being hesitant to provide treatment, I think on the, on the other side is if we don't treat it, we know there can be some really significant negative outcomes. And so I think, you know, again, kind of having everybody understand that uh, is, is helpful. What about PTSD specifically? So we know um, that especially our, our veteran women population are at higher risk for trauma exposure and also to have PTSD. What do we know about women with that trauma history um, and specifically some of those perinatal outcomes as well? The literature in this area has lagged behind that of uh, perinatal depression for sure. Um, But what we're seeing is kind of similar outcomes to what we see with perinatal depression. So if you enter pregnancy with PTSD, um, you're more likely to have uh, preterm birth or uh, lower infant birth weight, um, kind of obstetrical conditions that are more common during during pregnancy, like preeclampsia or gestational diabetes. emergency C-sections, things like that. And we see that in the civilian population, and we're starting to see that with some of our uh, veteran studies as well. So it's being replicated in the veteran space. And if you enter pregnancy with PTSD, you're also more likely to experience labor and delivery as scarier. So um, fearing that your infant might die or feeling more isolated during labor and delivery, um, kind of viewing labor and delivery as more traumatic, and then being at increased risk for then postpartum PTSD from a subjective traumatic delivery. And, and I imagine also significant trouble even obtaining obstetric care. I mean, I think for, for yeah. many of the women that we work with, and I, when I was in the Air Force, I was integrated into, into OBGYN. And, and just the ability to keep appointments, to have exams done, you know, just depending on the type of trauma, but sort of the piece of being able to get adequate care when you have that history on board, any, any things that you yeah. observed in, in some of the work you've done with that too? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's a lot of things that happen during pregnancy care that can be very triggering if you have a trauma history. Um, and some hospitals may have better trauma-informed care than others. So, I mean, given that we know that PTSD, the hallmark symptom of PTSD is avoidance, I think there's avoidance for any sort of trigger across the space, um, whether it comes up in daily life or during medical care. And so now you have a person with increased risk for adverse outcomes who is kind of maybe hesitant to to get care and get some of the support that they need, which um, can certainly be problematic. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, I think there's a carrot of the baby coming. And I think women can be really motivated to get care during this time as well, Um, as opposed to other times, because they want to feel like they're in their best space to have this baby. Um, And there can be a lot of fear of having the baby itself like I've noticed with some of my participants and patients that um, the gender of the baby was triggering particularly with that. that's interesting yeah so fearing having a boy specifically was triggering given the past history of sexual violence this woman experienced yeah imagine that 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 could be particularly difficult in in engaging with trauma treatment too, I guess, you know, as you're talking about this, I'm, I'm, I'm sitting here going, I'm convinced, you know, folks should get treatment and that's important. And maybe we can prevent some of these 
um, negative outcomes. And, but I'm also thinking about well, what are some of the, the things that get in the way? Like, and I'm thinking particularly from a provider point of view, like what are some of those concerns that you've heard or some of the, the issues maybe that, that providers bring up? I mean, so for example, for myself, I can think about, well, when you've got, um, when you already have a, a client who has some of these health issues related to her pregnancy, um, I'm thinking about care for, for PTSD that would increase blood pressure or, yeah. you know, increase, you know, other kinds of physiological responses to anxiety. And, and is that dangerous? Do I, am I putting my client in danger? I've heard all of those same concerns. Um, I recently ran a pilot study providing exposure-based treatment for PTSD for pregnant women. And we had to com combat that a lot. Um, my response to that is that PTSD, they are already continuously experiencing hyperarousal due to their PTSD symptoms. So something focused and structured and short-term to increase, you know, arousal about mem trauma memories is not any different than what they're experiencing all the time. Um, and at least it's focused and it's usually only moderate and it comes down quickly. And then it has the capacity to get better faster. Um, rather than being ongoing throughout pregnancy. Um, so I think that that's what I've tended to say when I talk to providers is like, this is happening and to, and to patients because patients worry about this too. Right. They worry about stressing out their baby if they get too upset. It's like, you're already there. Like <laughs> right. you're waking up with the nightmares. You're upset all, all most of the day for various reasons. Like it's already happening. Right. I think that's how a way we talk for you to, to control it. Yeah. I think that's how we talk when we get that, we get the question all the time, like, isn't it re-traumatizing to, you know, especially with PE, aren't you re-traumatizing? And that's very similar to our response. Like we're not inserting anything that's not already there. We're not, you know, we're, we're not, um, you know, putting, putting memories in or increasing symptoms. The, the whole problem is that they're there and we're trying to, again, kind of contain. So I think, again, it, it can relate back to how you conceptualize, um, what what's good why the treatment works to begin with um is very similar to what you just talked about right and also the risk of untreated ptsd is so much worse right right than the moderate short-term arousal related to trauma focused therapy which is the the therapies that we find are the most effective concerns or pushbacks or hesitations that you've encountered too i think the other things that come up are are more about time, like there, and that's, I think more from the patient perspective, like very overwhelmed with the amount that they need to do during this part this pregnancy, all the appoint, all the, there's already a lot of appointments um, and, and extra stuff. And so how are they going to fit in treatment on top of that? Which is why integrating it within the OB setting might be a really good way to provide this therapy without taking extra time or as in much extra time because then if you wait to postpartum you're dealing with a sleep deprived mom talk about busy right, right. <laughs> yeah and so they think they're busy but they're going to be busier later yeah as you were talking there i was thinking about you know we, we i've gotten this question a lot in consultation from providers and even talking about you know the data and how uh, PE and CPT are effective treatments for PTSD and the long-term outcomes for untreated PTSD are worse. Even putting it into context of you know, the, the things you're already mentioning, there might still be folks who are reluctant to try 
CPT or PE or a trauma-focused therapy because they're still kind of holding on to, yeah, but there's a chance this could make it worse mm-hmm. for my client. And, you know, what, what might you say to somebody who is kind of stuck on that, a provider who is, you know, maybe not willing to, to give it a shot, maybe not risk it? Yeah. I mean, I guess I'm curious what they're worried is going to be worse, like their outcomes. I mean, what would help? Frankly, the best thing that's going to help that is uh, data. And I think that is coming. Like I just completed a pilot study and showed that providing exposure-based treatment during um, pregnancy reduced PTSD and depression and didn't make anything worse um, for anyone. So I think just more data is going to help that um, coming kind of down the, down the pike, but it's, it's tough. I, I think just showing that also in the data in the non-pregnant population, that the arousal is short term, the arousal is not, is moderate, that it doesn't last forever. I think pointing to the data could be the most helpful um, to convince them that it's not quote unquote dangerous. Um, the other issues that we need to combat is all the other providers involved in this patient's care that don't right, understand yes. what trauma-focused treatment is and education for that, <laughs> for those people, um, it would be really important. Like the OBs, the if they're in a substance use disorder program in their residential home, um, there's a lot of people involved in their care. I would even imagine like neonatologists, depending on, you know, who they're, who they're connected with. So, so that would be, we're not going to jump to tips yet, but that would be a good thing to be thinking about is how do you, um, kind of make sure it's collaborative care and everybody's informed mm-hmm. about why the, why behind what you're doing. Uh, you, you mentioned depression. So I do just want to touch on that for a second, just, just sort of, um, that comorbidity, uh, for, mm-hmm for women, um, any, any points there in terms of, you know, if you've got depression on board likelihoods for, for trauma and vice versa? Yeah, it's a really great question. Um, because we historically, at least in OB settings, we're very good at screening for depression. That's been going on for a really long time. Um, I don't think there's a wide systematic screening for trauma or PTSD at this point, um, in this country. Uh, but what we've seen in the data is that, especially in more at-risk populations, like the majority of women who have perinatal depression likely also have comorbid PTSD. That's what the data is showing, at least. So when you see someone with depression, there's a really high chance that they also have trauma and PTSD. So important to then ask the questions and yeah. have that as a part of your assessment because it, it's not going to come up in a screener um, and would be in a very critical part of their care. To know right. That. Yeah. And that's like part of building up trauma-informed care is increasing the screening and uh, for these things in OB settings. I mean, the VA is um, doing this more so than the community settings. So we've talked about a lot of concerns that providers might have and patients might have that maybe don't play out because, you know, that the the untreated PTSD, untreated depression is higher risk than um, the risk of treatment. What are some legitimate concerns or legitimate uh, issues or or things that providers need to keep in mind when they're working with, uh, you know, clients who are in this perinatal phase? Mm-hmm. Um, that that might be different than uh, you know a, a client in a different situation. 
Yeah. Um, I think, I mean, I think as providers uh, for trauma-focused treatments, we know the danger of starting a treatment, a trauma-focused treatment, and then prematurely not finishing trauma-focused treatment. Because if you, if you flee at the top of the curve, it can be a little bit more, you know, it's just reinforcing the avoidance. And so I think understanding that pregnancy is a window of opportunity and thinking about the timing of when to provide the treatment would be kind of important in this population. So getting it as early as possible so that there's a chance to finish before there's a disruption of the labor and delivery process. Although, you know, you can still finish after that. We've done that plenty of times. Um, but I think the timing is something to consider um, that's legitimate um, to get through the treatment. Also, the if, if it is being kind of delivered in the context of OB care, being flexible about things that come up, right? So if you, if it's being coincided with a prenatal visit, there might be a unexpected ultrasound or um, some other medical monitoring procedure that gets in the way. Um, so thinking about things like that, offering via telehealth, given all the extra appointments. And I think being flexible when things like bed rest come up or other sort of limitations that the, the patient might have um, to work around. I, th I think this is when, you know, and we, we've actually flexed these muscles a lot during the pandemic, quite frankly, with, you know, how do you do exposures when you can't go do half the things that are on your list? Um, but but <laughs> providers, you know, the importance of getting consultation so that you have support as you're problem solving some of these unique issues that come up um, if you're working with somebody who has some medical restrictions or, or just in general um, things that might be harder to do as one kind of progresses through the pregnancy when you're eight months pregnant, you know, you might, you might not be able to go to the mall every day or, you know, whatever else. So, um, right. For the, for the imagine, um, for the right. The and again, yeah, I, I see those. the world yeah. through my V through my PE lens, <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, yeah. but, and, and, you know, I, we've kind of jumped around and talked about some of the, um, it sounds like your stance is get, you know, treatment is good. Um, you know, yes. untreated is much, much more dangerous than treating. So let's talk about treatments. What are some options that providers um, that we have some data to, to support or that, that providers might consider if they're working with this in, in the perinatal? Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we don't have, you know, published data yet on our trauma focused treatments in this population specifically, but there is no reason to think that we should do something different just because they're pregnant. So, I mean, my stance is that any evidence-based treatment we have for PTSD is a good treatment for perinatal PTSD. So that that's, you know, that's where I would stand on that. And, and obviously, you know, there, there's also always questions about medication. So I think, you know, we're talking more about the, the, you know, psychotherapies like CPT and PE and written exposure therapy, things like that. But um, I'm sure a lot of questions also come up when we look at psychopharmacology and options there. Any any points you wanted to make on that mm -hmm. front? I think the most wide, the most widely prescribed medication um, would be in a, would be SSRIs. Um, I'm I'm not a psychiatrist, so I don't do that type of work. But I think that is the most commonly prescribed medication. I think that is a very individual decision that a patient would make with their prescriber in terms of the kind of pros and cons. Um, a lot of women are hesitant to take medication during pregnancy. So it could be a carrot 
to engage in a trauma-focused treatment. Um, for some women, staying on the medication is completely the right course of action and the preferable base because you know what you don't want is like lots of fluctuations and mental health symptoms. And you want to shore them up for postpartum. Right. Absolutely. And I, and I think, you know, we, we as behavioral health providers can serve a really important role in supporting our clients to have those difficult conversations mm-hmm. with their prescribing providers, to have conversations with their OBGYN providers about what's going to help, um, you know, make their care, you know, the trauma-informed care that, that they, they need specifically individualized to them um, beyond just doing the, you know, EVPs would be important too. I think a lot of times people think about severity, right? So if there's a more mild presentation, maybe starting with therapy for more severe presentations, maybe it's a combo. Um, but these are all like, there's no like one, one size fits all path. So flexibility. Yes. Any other thoughts, Kevin or Andy, before I was going to start to maybe move into some actionable intel? There's a there's a part of me that feels like I inadequately prepared because I, I haven't worked with a lot of of women uh, clients that are pregnant and so and also just very unaware of what you know has already kind of been uh, talked about and understood. So I don't know I I'm more just enjoying the conversation and hearing you know learning in a new area that that I haven't thought much about. Well, and then again, this kind of goes back to this is an under under talked about topic, a very important topic. And I'm so thrilled you're doing so much research in this area, Dr. Nilney. It's, it's incredibly valuable. Certainly an area I feel passionate about. So we will move into actionable intel. And the, the intention of this is, um, what are some practical tips, strategies, things to think about that our listeners, our providers who may be working with uh, clients with PTSD, um, you know, perinatal PTSD, what, what would be some things to take forward, um, tips, uh, things to remember to consider, um, or any resources that you wanted to share with them? Yeah, I think it would probably be helpful to have conversations about the labor and delivery process and coming up with a good plan for how they could talk to their medical providers about that process so that they feel more in control or uh, safe um, and collaborative. Uh, So I think that would be something useful to talk with a patient who is pregnant with PTSD. Um, Of course, like we said before, I would treat the PTSD if you, if they are agreeable (laughs) um, and provide the rationale uh, for why it would be important uh, before the baby comes. I, I know I've heard you talk about some other sort of support resources. I, I'm trying to remember the name of the one that survivor moms. Oh, yeah. Are there, there other is a, types mm-hmm. of resources that um, we can we can also link to um, or tip sheets or anything like that? We're happy to link to in the show notes. But um, outside of kind of doing the trauma informed treatment. Oh, yes. A hundred percent. So that so this is not a this is there's something called survivor moms companion. Um, it's not, I'm not an expert in that by any means, but it's a psychoeducational intervention for trauma exposed uh, women who are pregnant. Um, So it's not necessarily for just women with PTSD. Um, And uh, that is 
we can maybe provide the link for that. It's not a treatment yes. I deliver personally, um, but that has been studied and has been shown to improve labor and delivery outcomes, which is really um, important um, for this population. So it could be something that'd be useful to kind of help during that process that could, where, they're, where they're more at risk. Maybe as a as an add on add on to the to the work that you're doing. Yeah, perhaps. or even like if they're unwilling to do trauma focused treatment, it's another option. Um, Excellent. So it sounds like one is you know kind of maybe increase your comfort with having conversations about you know making sure you're having conversation with your clients about their L and D process, their labor and delivery process. Um, you know, even kind of things that are important to them as they continue to access uh, OBGYN care throughout their pregnancy um, and helping, I think sometimes helping our patients think through and, and predicting or, or picking out things that they might encounter that they're not really thinking about, like they're, they're just anxious and, and not sure about their appointment. So helping really kind of think through what's going to make that appointment easier um, mm-hmm. uh, and, and sort of reduce some stress and anxiety there. In addition to providing one of the evidence-based treatments that we what we have for PTSD, um, there doesn't seem to be any reason why you can't proceed with that um, and have some good discussions about sort of risks and benefits, uh, assuage some fears that uh, treatment will have all these sort of detrimental effects and really sort of talk about the the ground that can be gained back um, and that this might mm-hmm. be a great time to engage in that treatment. Uh, and then um, you know, kind of maybe knowing some other resources that you can provide to your clients um, should they not want to engage in trauma-focused treatment or just, you know, kind of want some more support around this area. I'm also just going to, you know, be a big proponent for if you do integrated care, you know, how can you get into the OBGYN clinic or make yourself available, um, especially if you have uh, some expertise in in trauma. Any other? I was just going to say that, like, I think the other tip I would give is to try to collaborate with their OB team so that they're aware of the treatment they're doing because you want the messages to be cohesive. Um, I've been in many clinical situations where there's like detrimental messages happening from other providers about, you know, oh, well, you this seems to be really upsetting for you. So maybe you shouldn't do this right now. And then it's, that's bad for us. <laughs> so right. absolutely. Um, I think getting ahead of that and getting every, the team, because this is the, who they're seeing I'm at the end of pregnancy weekly. Um, the other thing that could be really helpful for this population are doulas. And I think conversations about accessing the doula care could be useful for this, uh, for that patient as well. And maybe some psychoeducation for partners too, in addition to the, you know, the treatment team, making sure whoever the support and partner people in their lives have a clear understanding. Because we see that all the time also just, you know, patients who aren't pregnant that we're doing an EBP with, you know, uh, supporting people in their life going, wait, but that's distressing. You, You know, we don't want you to do that. So similarly, you know, kind of balancing, taking care of that person during pregnancy and at the same time supporting them to uh, be successful in the treatment that that you're providing. Yeah, and pre- and predicting some of the role transitions that are going to take place postpartum, for sure. which are difficult for everybody, but um, particularly more so if you're entering that with mental health symptoms. But hopefully, the treatment is effective during pregnancy, and then you're entering with a in a much better space during that period of um, upheaval and change. Absolutely. 
Well, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. Thank you. Um, I think it was really illuminating um, for for us and I hope for our listeners as well. And um, again, Footstomp, if you are able to have some consultation and you need some support around this, um, you know, definitely seek it out. Don't don't worry alone if you're working with a client who's pregnant, you know, get some support if that's needed. Um, and certainly we, we enjoy working with folks uh, in our consultation program. I know the VA has a very robust consultation program as well. Uh, so don't, don't worry alone. Um, and uh, we will definitely link to the resources. Dr. Nilney, thank you for all of the research that you're doing in this area um, and, and you know, adding to a place that has, has really been sparse. Um, and so we look forward to hearing more from you and, uh, some of your findings and definitely wish you the best in all of your work. So thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having me. Of course. Thank you. We'll see you next time on Practical for Your Practice. Thanks for listening to Practical for Your Practice. Please feel free to subscribe, rate, and join in on the conversation in the comments. Until next time.